Just smile at somebody. Say, that was good. That felt good. Yeah. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Someone came back. I was standing in the back and said, they want to know if you want to come up and and say something kind of during the the high energy part. And and I think I surprised them because I said, I don't want to jump in that river. It was an awesome river. And I might want to jump in that river in a little bit. But that's not the river I want to start in. I've been here for a couple days now, just kind of hanging out. And the way life works for me, I've, I've got to give my wife the keys or I will spend the entire service fidgeting with them in my pocket. You know, that kind of thing. Let us lay aside every weight that we might run the race that is before us. You, know. you see, some of you came for systematic teaching today. Turn to your neighbor and go, ah, wrong answer. <laughs> That's not the channel we're going to be on this morning. You, can, you, can, you don't need a guy like me for that. I can do that. I do that a lot, you know. But... I'm not here for that today. I'm here to speak what others might not get away with speaking. I'm here to speak things into your midst and provoke thought that you might hear differently because it's somebody who doesn't know you. And that's not necessarily meaning I'm going to say hard things. Just different things, just direct things. You know, I want to tell some stories. I want to inspire some thought. And I want to speak directly to some of you words that hopefully will build you up. And from the time I got here, I've just been having dreams and visions. I've been having a lot more of those lately. Just about what God's doing here. And you need to understand God is doing something here. This is not the work of men. This is the work of the Spirit being served by men. We're all workers serving the purpose of God. And God has a purpose. I pastored down in Sturbridge, Massachusetts for a number of years. And when I first took over the the struggling, you might even say dying church that I took over back at that time, I had this dream and I saw fires all over New England and they were the Lord's fires. And the voice of the Lord said, I need a fire here. And that's why he sent me to that city is the Lord wanted a fire in Sturbridge, Massachusetts. Turn to somebody and say, this tent is a fireplace. And God is building a fire here. He is building a fire to change lives, to set people free. And I have to tell you, you're just getting started. You might feel like you've been at this a long time. And some of you might be feeling like you're on the edge of burnout. But what you are on the edge of is incineration. Yeah. 
not burnout. You're on the edge of the end of you and the beginning of God in you in a new way. Yeah, some of you, you've been at religion for a long time. And something is going to change in how you encounter God. And you're going to move into relationship with him. My uh, wife's parents came from a, let's say, a rather traditional and conservative background. They loved Jesus and were very good disciples. But let's just say it this way. They lived for decades in the shallow end of the swimming pool. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's a deep end calling you. Too much of the church has lived in the shallow end of the pool and there is a deep end that is about to be poured out on you whether you like it or not. Turn to someone and say, I hope you brought your swimsuit. I hope you brought your swimsuit because the deep end is coming. It's being in... It's calling you. And I I had a prophetic moment at the coffee bar today. I love your coffee bar, by the way. That was like, whoever put that there had like a divine revelation, I think, when they they did that. And that's the blessing of dirt floors. We don't worry about carpet, right? We can just be real people and love God while we drink our beverage, you know. I mean, I almost thought about bringing dogs to church now out here, you know, but going too far, you know. Anyhow, have the woof section instead of the cry room, you know, the, you know, the woof room, you know. But, but I was back there and I poured the coffee and I took the pitcher of creamer and I was, you ever had a pitcher with a sticking lid? You know, it's one of those hinged lids and it's sticking. Or those, that glass of beverage with the ice clump at the bottom that's securely fastened until it isn't. (laughs) How many of you know what I just said? You know, you've been there, you've done that. The, The clump that's attached at the bottom of the cup and then suddenly it's attached to your face. Because some... Yeah, well, the the creamer lid was closed and kind of stuck and just little dribbles of creamer were pouring out until suddenly it wasn't little drips of creamer anymore. And my coffee went from dark to very light. Turn to somebody and say, the creamer's coming. Church is about to go from very dark to very light. Because the lid is going to come unstuck. And there is an outpouring coming. And I'm just here to announce it to you. There is something so wonderful headed your way. Don't mess it up. Don't take credit for it. 
Don't get proud about it. Just do what you're doing, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. If you will make that the foundation of this church, you will flood this tent and need to put an extension on it. I don't know if you remember the last time I was here. We had planned to be in the tent, but there were some roadblocks. And I missed being in the tent by a few weeks. But while I was here, I had a clear vision of 3,000 people on this hill worshiping Jesus. And I told you about that. And so now standing here with maybe 300 or so, I don't know, I'm just guessing, too tired to count, (laughs) too busy to count. The point is, growth is coming. I don't care if the number was symbolic or literal, that's a lot bigger than what you have now. And it's time to... Frame your mind around welcoming new people. It's time to frame your mind around loving people, connecting them to the family of God and make disciples. Be a disciple. How's your discipleship? If you had to tell somebody about Your life with God, would you have anything to say? How's your relationship with God? It's not about the information you know. It's about your experience with God, where you live with him, walk with him, hear his voice. The reason I was talking about dogs is I want to tell you a dog story. I grew up as a dog lover in a home with many puppies. My favorite childhood memory is me as like 10 years old and I still have this picture and I'm laying on the ground smothered in puppies. There's like 10 puppies. We just had a litter and they're crawling all over me, licking my face and and I was laughing. And I still have that, not just the picture, but the joy of the experience. And so I got married 30 years ago this August. Woohoo! We've made it 30. It's like a big deal. This year, my son turns 18, I turn 60, my wife's mother turns 80, and we will have been married 30 years. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's a busy year. That's, you know, that's, we're excited, but for 30 years... My one teenage son and I, well, not for the whole 30 years since he's only a teenager, but, you know, for a number of the last few years, my younger son and I have really wanted a dog. The only problem is dogs are dirty. Occasionally. Dogs have hair. Dogs smell unique. And if you're not a dog person, they're not attractive to you. And, and my wife grew up in a family with a different culture. 
let's say it kindly and differently, you know. Not better or worse, just different. But about a, you know, so my younger son and I, for five years, we've been kind of grooming my wife and negotiating and prepping the, the, the family in the hope that one day God would do a supernatural miracle and we would, you know, I mean, when the first month of my marriage, I used to say that my wife was cleaner than God, you know, because God invented dirt. So I thought he didn't mind it as much as she did, you know, but I'm, I, I won't even go down that path, but some of you can relate, I think. So the point is, husbands and wives are different from each other. And we, we learn to walk together. And we were learning to walk together. Well, so about a year ago, I was kind of trying to pursue this one little dog. And I felt like the Lord wasn't going to make it happen. And it turned out it was a Facebook scam. And so we didn't do it. And we were disappointed. But I had a dream. And my son and I were sitting. And, my, and we were sitting with a dog. And I heard the Lord say in this dream, a year from now, you will be smiling. And I was like, hope that was from the Lord. And then um, about a few months, well, actually now it's last December. I had this dream. And I walked into a thrift store. Anybody here like thrift stores? We, we love thrift stores. And we walked in, I walked into this thrift store, and the name of the thrift store was called Blessings Abound. And as I walked in, there was this dog, and the dog was this little brown puppy, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying over me, I want you to get everything that you want from here from now on. And I pet the little dog and I moved on. And now I woke up from that and I was like, Lord, that was weird. Turn to somebody and say, God's language and your language are not always the same language. Realize I'm teaching you on many levels today And so you need to be a diligent listener. This is not a systematic message. This is like a man with a treasure chest just reaching in, pulling out a gold coin and flipping it to you one by one. And if you miss a gold coin, can't help you. You can get the tape. They don't, make, they don't even make tapes anymore. You can watch it on YouTube or something. However, whatever this generation's doing. Yeah. So, the dog. Blessings abound. I'm, I'm meditating on it. And when God gives you a dream, he expects you to think about it. Many of us, we are actually quite lazy. When God's trying to talk to us, Sometimes the light goes on enough that we say, I think God's trying to talk to me. But we don't do the work of reflection to reach the point of understanding. Turn to someone and say, it's time to understand. 
It's no longer good enough to be content with the possibility of God speaking. It's time to be a friend of God. It's time. That's what will keep the revival that's coming on track. Is not a couple of leaders being friends with God, but a community of friends with God who hear his voice, who walk in relationship with him, who carry a spirit of humility, who guard the purity of their choices. That's what attracts the presence of God. God cares. And so I reflected on that dream and and the sentence, I want you to get everything you want from here. The the thrift store blessings abound. I was like, okay, what does that mean? And I realized what the Lord was saying is, Dan, I want to change how you think so that when you relate to what you want in life, you think from a place of overflowing blessing, not a spirit of poverty. Because... When you're trying to be a good steward and a penny pincher and make the bills paid and take care of all of your finances, does anybody understand that life? You still have to reject the spirit of poverty. Because what that will do is it will shut down how you give It will shut down how you relate to people. See, you can have a spirit of poverty in your relationships. And so instead of being generous with your life and engaging with people you don't know, you're so afraid of losing what you have. You're you're clinging and you don't engage with people. But the revival that's coming is a revival of relationship. It's a revival of family because God wants a family on the hill. That's the scripture that says a city on the hill cannot be hid. That's that's you. He's putting you on the hill and he's going to show off family. He's going to show off community. He loves that. And so I started thinking, okay, show me the areas of my life where I've related to what I want from a spirit of poverty. Yeah. Because here's the spirit of generosity. The scripture says, there is a man who withholds and constantly lacks. And there is another man who sows generously and yet continuously increases. You'll notice I'm not saying this in a context of taking an offering to the church or to my ministry. I think those are great. We need to do that. But that's not what I'm focusing on. I'm talking about how you live your life towards everything. Towards everyone. Can you open your heart and believe that if I... Just freely give of myself and my things to others, not foolishly, not in a way that enables sin, but in a way that says, I'm not afraid that if I do, I won't have enough. Yes. 
It's a, it's a generosity that's not restrained by fear of lack. When you get that mindset, now you can actually just obey the Holy Spirit. Because you see, when you have this heart that's bound up by a fear mentality, a poverty mentality, you can't even cooperate with God. And that's why so many churches don't actually have Holy Spirit movement in them is because they're fear-driven and holding on. I mean, oh, are we going to lose people to, from our church if we actually relax and, and be real? And so we put on our mask and our suit and our... I, I actually... This is the first time in years I've been the most dressed up guy in the building. I, I walked out into Sean's kitchen and I saw him kind of looking at me head and he's overdressed, you know. So it's, you know. I was like, okay. And I was like, man, wrong shoes. You know, I could have I just worn, I got to turn to somebody and say, God loves hey dudes. You know. Those are shoes for those of you who aren't hip and trendy like me, you know. I'm just kidding. Yeah. No. no, hey dudes are like the most comfortable, chill shoes on the planet. And, and I could have worn them. I'm, I'm talking to you about church. I'm not talking to you about shoes. Because how you carry yourself is a re- reflection of the freedom of your heart. Turn to somebody and say, just take a breath. (sighs) Yeah, we come in. Oh, am I good enough? Am I... And and we we relate to people like we relate to God in this fear of rejection. And I got to do it perfectly. And and God's like... I'm in, the, I'm in serious danger of starting a new story before I finish the old story. Because I just had a picture. I was in Sri Lanka sneaking into a church that was built right by a Hindu temple. It was a tiny church. And they said, we can't sing too loud or the priest will come and beat us. You know, is that for church? You're worried about the town council. They're worried about getting beaten by the priests next to them, the Buddhist Hindu priests. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have it better than you think you do. And so we're sneaking in under cover of darkness because they want the guy from America. They've never had a guy from America. They've never had a guy from anywhere. They want a guy from America to come and pray for their half-constructed church and bless it because it was a privilege to them. And I'm wearing flip-flops because in the Hindu environment, uh, the Christians are so enculturated to not wear shoes in church that it's easier to just wear flip-flops and flip them off at the door so I can preach barefoot in the Hindu temple. The only problem is, as we're going through the dark, you can't see the things that the cows have left behind. And suddenly, I'm on my way to preach in the dark, in the honor of being the first white in their church, and I step in something very warm that comes up over the top of my bare foot. And you're worried about the anointing. I'm just worried about not offending anybody with my stinky foot, you know. And what, you know, is there a worm crawling across it now? And 
My point is, the American church gets lost easy with things that don't really matter. We get so focused on lesser things. So I went to the guy who's leading me in. I said, hey, I just stepped in a cow pie. He just said, well, just wipe it off on the doorstep as you go in. I'm like, okay. So I preached with cow poop on my foot for the first time, you know. I'm I'm trying to make a number of different points. I want to change how you think about what matters. Because when you are focused on the wrong things, you will miss the Holy Spirit. You will miss his leadership because you are caught up in worry and distracted by irrelevant things. What's on my feet isn't going to determine whether God can heal the sick, cast out the demons, save the lost, change a life. Turn to somebody and say, God made cow dung too. It's okay. So back to blessings abound. So in the blessings abound environment, I'm reflecting on that and I realize God wants to change how I think. This is just last year, so I'm still changing. Turn to someone and say, are you still allowing God to change you? I hope so. I'll be 60 this year and he's still got a lot of work to do right in here. And I'm not naive to that. I'm not done yet. So I, I have this dream and I wake up and, and that next day, my wife and I had been visiting or uh, serving a church in the inner city of Kansas City by going in and, and painting. It was a really poor church and we have a lot of tools because I've been a general contractor and a bunch of other things over the years. And so Tammy and I went down to the inner city and painted the inside of this church for them just to be a blessing. We weren't looking for anything. We told them we don't need an offering. They were willing to pay us and we just wanted to bless them and We left them our tools when we had to leave so they could do some other things. And one of their members was coming to drop it off. And this is the morning after that dream. And and he says, Dan, uh, I'm not doing this because you painted the church. This is not payment. But the Lord told me to give you this. And he wrote me a check for $1,000. And I was like, whoa, blessings abound. And it had my attention, and I was like, okay, um, Lord, what are you doing? That's a good question to ask, by the way. Don't just assume that you know what God is doing. Even right now, don't just assume that you know what God is doing. Because God has you here for a reason. And I'm already prophesying to many people, things that you wouldn't want me to just point out. Sometimes it's really good when you don't get a personal prophecy. 
really helpful. So, this $1,000 check comes. And that night, we're laying in our bed, and I'm still wondering what this is all about. And my son, James, comes walking into the room with his cell phone, and he says, Dad, I found this new breeder of dogs. And there's one dog still available in their litter, and he shows me the picture, and it was the dog from my dream. And I'm like, Lord, you have my attention. And then I look at the price, and the price was $1,000. And I'm like, Lord, you have my attention. Then we call her on the phone, and she says, yeah, the pick of the litter I sold for $4,000. All my other dogs I sold for $2,000 a dog. But for some reason, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to sell this dog for $1,000. I'm like, Lord, you have my attention. Does the Lord have your attention? The dog is currently eating Sean's shoes. We made sure to throw a couple in the room just, just for the fun of it. But yes, we're traveling with a dog. I whispered to my wife, we should have brought the dog this morning. My point is, I've wanted a dog for 30 years. My son and I have wanted a dog together for five years. The Lord told me you'll be smiling in a year, two years ago. And then, a year ago, God suddenly decides to pay for the dog. And to introduce us to the dog. He did it in such a way, turn to your wife, or to your neighbor and say, his wife can't really argue with that, can she? Yeah. You see, God is a strategist. He knows how to turn even the most resistant of hearts. Turn to somebody and say, he's not talking about his wife anymore. You see, God knows what it's going to take for you to believe. God did it so wonderfully that my wife now likes the dog as much as I do. Almost. And I scratch my head and I say, God's ways are not our ways. God had a perfect timing. And when I was able to wait for the perfect timing, he had a way to introduce it to our family so that it was joyful, not reluctant. And so that it was paid for, not a source of depletion. Turn to someone and say, he's talking about bigger things. 
I didn't just talk, tell you the story of my dog. I told you the story of your future building. Everything I just said was about your future building. The reluctant participants, the supernatural provision, the perfect timing. Do you understand? God's ways are not your ways. And God will talk to you through things that you have no idea. What he's saying until the story's over. Turn to somebody and say, you are in the middle of God's story. You are in the middle of God's story. Now, I want to tell you about my son. I'm going to tell one of my favorite stories that after years, I finally have permission to tell. I told it without permission, but now I won't at least have Conflict and resentment after. No, just kidding. No, he's been pretty gracious. When my older son Daniel was about one and a half or two, yeah, this is a, he knows, he knows. He really liked to climb on dirt mountains. And, you know, he was in his diaper and t shirt and that age, you know, and could walk and play and just really liked dirt. He's already blushing. And, and I warned you, this wasn't a systematic message, right? Yeah. But there's gold in it. Don't miss the gold. So we're walking around our neighborhood, and it was a kind of a development that most of the houses were built, but there were still some vacant lots. And at the end of the street, there was one with a big pile in it, this big pile of dirt. And it was kind of orangey clay, New England clay. This is down in Sturbridge. And we're walking around the block, and he sees the dirt pile, and he's like, play, play. And we're like, okay, go play. So we take his shirt off, so at least we don't have to try and get the dirt out of the shirt. And So now he's in his little diaper, and he climbs up the mountain, and he slides down it on his bum, and he climbs up the mountain, and he slides down his bum, and he climbs up the mountain, and, and he's just over and over again. And, and he reaches, it reaches a point where, you know, the clay is kind of getting all over him, and, 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 then all of a sudden we realize that there's two different kinds of dirt mixed together. And, and we look at him and, you know, you guys know what a wedgie is, right? And Well, sliding down the hill was giving him a diaper wedgie, you know? And so, it's kind of, and so he's going down the hill and he's got two kinds of dirt on him now, uh, his dirt and their dirt. And, and, and his hands are inside his diapers trying to get the wedgie out, you know, while he's still sliding. And so basically, have you ever stepped on a banana? It was a lot like that, you know, this stuff is, you know, and now what's coming from him is kind of mixing with what came from the hill and liquefying it into mush. And, and so it's orange and brown and, and it's everywhere. Like, 
everywhere. And his diaper probably weighed about 30 pounds now from the clay. And he's covered from head to toe. And, and we're like, just let him play till he's done. <sighs> Turn to your neighbor and say, is God letting you play? Sometimes he just lets you, if that's what you want to do, go ahead. We'll clean it up when you're done. And so he, he's covered. And we realize, you know, that as it's time to go and we're going to go home, we decide we're going to peel the diaper off because there's not much left of it. And, and so now we have naked, muddy, dirty little boy. And that's how some of us are with Jesus. There's nothing left to hide behind. he, He sees through everything. And, and what was profound is in Daniel's, Daniel is incredibly sensitive to people. He has, he's got a very strong prophetic spirit and very aware and, and very self-conscious as well as a result of that sensitivity. And as soon as he's walking with us, I realize he's looking around to see if anyone sees him naked and, and he's starting to feel embarrassment. And as a dad, I wanted to do what the Lord would do. So I took off my own light jacket and, and I covered him. You see, Jesus does that. He sees you in your nakedness. He sees you in your dirt and he He's taken off his glory and he became a man and died on the cross to cover you so that you wouldn't be ashamed anymore. That's who he is. And so I covered my son and now my coat's filthy. With everything. Turn to somebody and say, your dirt became Jesus' dirt. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he did for you. The most glorious being in the universe, in all of the created, the uncreated God, humbled himself and took your dirt. The Bible says he became poor so that you could become rich. He covers us. And he, so I wrapped my coat around Daniel and picked him up and I'm holding him. And I just said, you know, I'm just going to carry him home. And I'm reminded that that's what Jesus does. He doesn't make you walk home. He just picks you up and he, Carries you home. Covers you. He's not... You see, 
When I did that, I wasn't really worried about the fact that all the dirt on him was on my coat and now it was all on me. And, you know, I'm just kind of, every time he wiggled, I'm getting more smeared. And, and then the most memorable moment of my parenting, one of the most memorable moments happened. And I mean, because remember, his hands were in his britches and he's trying to, so he's covered everywhere. And I mean, his hands were just clumpy. And he was so grateful, so grateful that I had picked him up and covered him and was carrying him home. And he did something. And Come here, son. <laughs> I love my sons, both of them. I got stories about James, too, but this is Daniel's day. This is, this is little Daniel. He knows. Oh, I said he knows I'm leaving in three months. He's trying to get everything get. <laughs> He's going off to college, so. But uh, I got to look at you, because this is what he does to me. You know, now I'm little, so I get to be the little guy in this story. With his blessed hand, <laughs> he goes. I love you, Daddy. <laughs> and he just. Grabs my cheeks and you can sit down, son. He he grabs my cheeks with his poop-covered hands, squeezes them tight, and just says, "I love you, Daddy." Cause all he's not aware of his shame anymore. He's not aware of his dirt anymore. He's only aware of a daddy who has covered him and is protecting him and carrying him home. If you don't see Jesus like that, if you don't see the Father like that, you haven't met him yet because that's who he is. I'll tell you, I didn't get angry. I just looked in his eyes and said, I love you too, son. And my wife smiled this big grin and said, I'll go on ahead and start the shower. (laughs) And so, clothes and all, just kicked off my shoes at the door and we both just walked right in the shower, fully dressed and just hosed us off for a while. And the good news is we came out clean. Turn to somebody and say, Jesus wants you to come out clean. You are so loved. You are so loved. Every one of us, whether you've started loving him back yet or not, actually doesn't change the fact that you are so loved. He doesn't love you more because you decide to love him. He already loves you with the full measure of his love. He can't love you more because he is love. His very being is perfected love. 
And so it's not like you can make him love you more by loving him back. What changes is you get to experience his love. You get the joy of relationship with him. You don't earn something. You just remove the barrier that's robbing you from experiencing the love he already feels for you. And that's where religion has made it more complicated than it has to be. And that's where our bad experiences with churches that didn't necessarily do it right or well robs us. Because here's the, the, the reality is every church is just doing their best to represent God and they're going to mess up and make mistakes and people get hurt because we're still fallen creation. And the, but the end result is pain and people suffer separation from a God of love and they're robbed. And it's time to let that go. Not be robbed anymore. Because he doesn't, like I said, he doesn't love you more clean than dirty. I don't love my son anymore. When I didn't love him more coming out of the shower than I did going into the shower. Because he's my son. He's my son. You are a child of God. Whether you're living like one or not, it's up to you. It's just like the story of the prodigal who just ran away because his focus was on the wrong thing. But eventually he realized, I'm missing the best part. I'm, I'm missing a better life when I separate myself from my father. And I'm going to go home. And I'm going to make it right. And the best part is the response of the father. And that's what you need to see in that story is the the son wakes up and comes out of his self-pity oriented fog, his his lust-driven, self-centered confusion. He finally wakes up and says, I need to be with my father. It's a better option than what I'm living. And he heads for his father, broken, hoping for acceptance. And the father demonstrates the fact that he had it all wrong from the start. The father does what fathers in that era didn't ever do. He throws off his outer robe, kicks off the hindrances, and he runs to meet his son. Turn to somebody and say, God's longing for you more than you're longing for him. And if you haven't met that God, if you don't have that understanding of how God feels about you, today can be the day that all changes. Don't stay there. So I want to take a moment right now and and just pray together. Just Let's just, we don't have to make it big and dramatic. Just be honest. 
Where are you? Are you covered in poop and shame? Are you the prodigal that has run away into self-centeredness? And are you the one that's been hurt by the family of God and so you've distanced yourself from the love that you can find in community with his people? Where are you? Imagine a voice calling in a dark field. If you were out in the field and it was night and the father's coming from here out there to find you, just hear his voice calling, saying, where are you? Where are you? I'll come to you. I'll guide you home. I'll help you find your way home. But just let me know you want to be found. And that's all I want you to pray today. Let's just quiet ourselves for just a moment. And I want you to identify. All I want you to do is identify where you are. Be honest. And if you are not joyful about where you are and you want to change and you're ready to come to the Father just tell him God here I am I want to be found by you let's pray Father we worship you we praise you We're so grateful, God, that you're a God of love, that you're a father, and that you don't want us separated from you or your family. If you recognize that you're not where you want to be with the Father. Just tell him right now. Just whisper loud enough that it's words from your mouth. God, here I am. Lead me home. Lead me back to your house. Carry me. And I ask right now, Father, that as people are praying that prayer, you would take all the pain, all the fear of reconnecting to Christian people, all the confusion and uncertainty about how to find a new start, that you would take all of that away right now. And that we would feel safe in our Father's love. Take our pain, take our shame. You are loved, you are forgiven, you are accepted. 
Some of you have an easier time believing that you'll be forgiven by God than accepted by God's people. But there is family for you. There is friendship for you. If you prayed that prayer, that it's a very simple thing. I want to encourage you. Believe it. Believe that you are loved and accepted. And come at some point, not necessarily today even, and find one of the leaders and tell them what you've done and ask them, hey, help me find my new start. Because God's going to do that. He's going to help you. And you're going to find joy again. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. See, there's a lot of different ways we could go right now. But because I know I'm here to do some other things as well, I'm not going to focus on an altar call for that group. That's why I want you to walk it out on your own and come. Because that's going to be the hardest step for some of you is is reconnecting to relationship with God's people. But you need to take that step. Just simply by identifying yourself to one of the leaders of this church or whatever church is near you, whatever church you have related to or want to relate to, find the people of God or even a friend, a person in the room to say, help me find my way home. 